everyone. Welcome back to Relevant Talk with Athelia Monet. And today we have Dustin Wagner with us from, Parad- from Paradigm Treatment Center. How are you today, Dustin? I'm good, Athelia. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Dustin, can you tell us um, exactly what Paradigm Treatment Center does? Yeah, so, so Paradigm Treatment Centers, we provide mental health services in a residential setting for a, for a minimum of 35 days. And, and we work with clients as young as 12 years old up to 26 years old. And, and really, we specialize in mental health treatment. So uh, folks struggling with depression, anxiety, trauma, you know, just kind of, um, kind of stages of life stuff and that kind of the process of, of turning from an adolescent to a young adult. And um, so, yeah, and we do that all in a residential setting in, uh, in California and, and soon to be Austin, Texas. Awesome. Awesome. And Dustin, what exactly is your role, your role at Perry Degum? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my role at Paradigm, you know, I have a unique Sorry. background in that. I'm, no, it's, it's okay. Uh, uh, we, we hear that a lot. So, so my role, it's a little unique. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm the chief operating officer, and, but my background is I, I'm actually a, a therapist myself. So um, I spent nearly 12 years working with teens and families, and, and um, I just I love this work. And, and then I've, I've been doing more of the operations management of the, of the business. Um, what you all do is so... Um... How can I explain? What you all do for these young people is definitely needed. And for me, I'm a softie and um, I can only imagine if I was in your position and in the other therapist's position dealing with these teens who who needs help and you are providing these services to them. And for me, I would probably get attached and um, like my heart would probably... Uh, like it's slow with love for them and really wanting to take care of them and, and do the best for them that you can do. What have your experience been like in working with these young people? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you definitely have to, you're, you're absolutely right. You, you, you grow, um, you, you grow such a unique relationship, with these young people that you get attached, you're rooting for them. You, mm-hmm. you, you just, you know, you, you see the light in them that they don't always see in themselves. And, mm-hmm. but, but what's, but what's great is, is these teens and these young adults are so strong, so resilient. And, and our job really is to, you know, you, you want to do it for them, but you can't do it for them. You, mm-hmm. you have to, our, our job is to really just provide the, the space for them to do the work themselves and, and you, you know, you're alongside there with them. You, you get to, you get to see them um, with their victories. You get to see uh-huh. them struggle, you know, it, it's, <laughs> you get to see them encourage one another. It, it, it's a real privilege getting to do this work, uh-huh. but it's, you're it right. Sounds it, like it, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, and, 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 you know, I'm sure you can imagine it's never boring either, but uh-huh. um, yeah, it's, it's fun work that we get to do. It sounds like it. And it's, it sounds like it's so rewarding. It would be so rewarding for you all because you see once you um, get them to the finish line or, or close to the finish line, it's like your work and you struggling with them wasn't in vain. 
That's right. And, and, and the goal is always, you know, we, we, we work with teens, young adults that are in crisis, you know, on some, mm-hmm. on some form, some version, they're in crisis. They, they, uh, they can't function. They maybe don't want to be alive. They've um, in, endured something really traumatic. And, and our, our goal is always to um, get them back on their feet, get them, get them skills, uh, help some healing happen and, and then see them go home and, and be safe. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it, we're, they're with us for a, a month or two. And that's not a lot of time, but that, that's, that's a lot of time for them to, uh, to get kind of where they need to be so they can be back home with their friends and family. And, you know, we've, we've definitely, definitely seen a, a bigger spike in the need for these services over the last, you know, year and a half for, for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, been an, it's been an interesting last year or so. I can imagine, um, especially, like you said, for obvious reasons. Um, and I'm, I'm only assuming that with some of them, the um, whatever their situations were, were already there before COVID, but then it heightened because of COVID, because now we're all in the same house together and um, we can't go out and hang with friends like we normally do. We can't do some of the the same things that we were able to do before COVID because of safety reasons. And so I'm sure that that heightened whatever issues that they were already dealing with. Well, it it definitely heightened. Yeah. You know, I think it definitely heightened, you know, I, I think the stigma of mental health has improved over the years, but, but still the, the stigma exists. And, you know, it's especially for teens and young adults, you know, they may not know that there's um, professional help out there. And so, mm-hmm. so oftentimes, you know, they're struggling for a long, you know, months, years before they really raise the red flag and, and say, like, hey, I need some more help, mom or dad. And so I think, you know, as stressful as the last year has been um, for everybody, I think for for teens, and young adults, we've seen a spike in mental health because they've been around fewer people, not necessarily even just for that, that social um, community support, but, but really it's, it's other people in people's lives, you know, teachers, coaches that um, kind of witness like, oh my gosh, that doesn't, that doesn't look good or that right. doesn't feel right. I'm going to, I need to say something to that kid or to that family. And so I think because we've had so many teens with fewer eyes on them, um, there's there's been less opportunities for appropriate intervention. Yeah, and you know what, Dustin, I'm thinking, um, going back to something you said earlier, how you you all witnessed them cheering each other on and, and celebrating each other's wins. I'm only imagining that maybe I don't know, of course, but maybe the the young people that you all have worked with maybe they are able to take what you all taught them and, and how you all worked with them at your center and help someone else out, another friend or family member out um, who may be struggling, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, we, we see that a lot. We, we get to stay in touch with a lot of our clients and, and, you know, for, for better, for worse, you know, these, these, these teens, these clients, these families, refer other people to us from their communities, which, you know, nothing, you know, that's, that's a really high compliment to us, mm-hmm. but it, it, it also kind of says that, 
there's so much room in our communities for for more resources, more support, and you know we're we're seeing you know we're definitely seeing that the, while there's more of an acceptance and understanding around depression, anxiety, and just mental health, you know I I, I saw something uh, a few weeks ago that the the increase in ER hospital visits has has spiked by like thirty percent for mental health related incidents. So that that means that that means that kids kids and young adults, these clients that we get to work with, their first maybe um, intervention around their mental health happens in an ER, which is, uh, I, I'm sure you've, we've all <laughs> at, at some point had to go to the ER for something, you know, whatever it is. Right. And th- right. those are not, that's not a place to get mental health services. And so, it's not. Th- so t- to me, that just says that, you know, there's, there's even more of a need now than ever to, you know, whether it's residential treatment or outpatient services or, you know, testing or psychiatry, there, there's, there's definitely a demand that we've been seeing. I can imagine. Um, It sounds like you all are really doing a great job. Um, And I wish that we can have within families and within our relationships, no matter what type of relationship it is, have more um, open communication about mental health. Well, and, and that's a good point, Celia, because that's a lot of what we do in family therapy. I think, you know, we, we get to work with these great families that, you know, they, they want the best for their kids and they're doing their best, but people just don't, you know, we're not really you know, we're not really taught and trained, um, as teens and young adults how to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of, you kind of have to seek it out yourself or, um, you know, being a family that maybe has gone through something like this. So you learn how to talk about it. So, so, so much of the family therapy that we do, and we, we do a lot of family therapy every week. Um, a lot of it is just helping the family as a whole, learn how to how to kind of deal with and, and talk about these things in a way that, you know, um, provide some openness and um, a little bit more transparency. I, I think that's a lot of what our clients, you know, one of the commonalities across the board is that, you know, people, people just want to be understood. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, parents are trying to understand, but, you know, they can't help, but try and fix or, or they probably know better and, and they communicate what they know better. And, right. and that just, you know, inevitably that kind of takes, takes the team out of that position of being able to kind of do their own work and communicate their own feelings and all of that. So, but back to your point, you know, we, there's definitely a lot of room for us to have more open conversations about, about mental health. Right. All right. Justin, um, what are some of the, the treatments that you all offer? Yeah, you know what's what's great about residential treatment is that you can you you get to do a lot. Um, so <laughs> we 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 do a lot of you know the traditional we you know we do individual therapy every day. We we do a handful of of groups every day. We do family therapy, but but what's great you know we we have these great locations so. Um, you know, we're in California right now. And so a lot of our time is spent outside, you know, I, I think for anybody, you know, adult included, but for, for teens and young adults, especially like there's an aspect of play and recreation and community, you know, not, 
not everything that's therapeutic has to be sitting <laughs> between two ferns and, and talking about problems. And so, you know, we get to exercise, we get to have fun. We, we do some art, we do, we do a little bit of dance, do equine therapy, you know, play in the water, you know, whether it's kayaking or surfing. And, um, yeah, you know, so, so we do a lot of traditional stuff. We, we do a lot of our clinicians are, are trained in EMDR, which, which is a evidence-based, um, modality for treating trauma. And, and we've got a lot of folks that have, you know, varied backgrounds and, you know, we have licensed psychiatrists, licensed psychologists. And so we, you know, we, we address things from the medical perspective, from the psychological and do an assessment and, and, you know, just, but it, you know, I think it, I think really everything that we're doing, and, and this is what I've learned about, about this field. I think everything that, that we're doing is tied to trying to inspire some hope. If mm-hmm. If someone can kind of come walk the door go through our program, you know, meet with our psychiatrists, meet with our therapists. And then at the, at the end of the day or the end of that meeting, have a little bit more hope than, mm-hmm. than, than you've got some good momentum. So that's, that's really what we're trying to, trying to push. Yeah. Because um, for me, I, I love helping people out. I love helping out in any way I can in, in different aspects. And for me, if, I was in your shoes. I know that you all have these um, young people coming in there who uh, probably have what I call like dead eyes. Like they, they just look like they're existing. And then by the time they finish your program, their eyes are bright and glossy. And for me, that would be so rewarding. Um, it, it, it would just fill me up inside because it's like, okay, we've done our job. You know, and for me, well, that's so. It's beautiful you say that, and it's so true because you know we we you know during the whole process, you know we're we're doing assessments, we're we're tracking outcomes, we're we're looking at data, and and that can show progress. But I'm I'm with you. It's it's really, you know, for our medical record, we take we take a a photo of our clients day one, you know, just, just for obvious reasons, but it's really fun to see on, at the end of the day, it's like, there is a transformation that happens. You're, you're, you said it so, so correctly that that light is back on. It's like, it's like they flip the switch back on. Mm-hmm. And for some of these kids, if you, you, you almost can't, you almost don't recognize them when you look mm-hmm. at them. We've, we've done a couple before and after photos, which, Sounds kind of like a makeover, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, but it, there's a real cool transformation that can happen, I think. And, and, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't get to do too many, um, intakes or discharges anymore because just because of my role, but that, you know, that, that day that parents come and pick up their kids and the, you know, the kids got their stuff and you kind of say those goodbyes. Um, that's a real special day. Yeah, you just probably want to give them a high five or a hug or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Like, yeah, you, you did it. <laughs> well, and, and and you know, and um, this is not it's not a linear not a linear process, unfortunately. But but it is it's great. We love hearing back from um, our you know alumni or our families. You know, we it's it's nice to hear. Um. When people are doing well, and it's you know, and, and we also are committed to we want to help 
along the journey just because someone's here for, you know, for a 35 or 60 day stay doesn't, you know, we know that there's, there's no one fix, but, you know, we want to, we want to be a program that helps kind of get, turn that light back on, get some momentum, mm-hmm. get some skills, you know, that that's what we're here for. Let them start back being productive and happy and laughing and smiling and, and you know, for that sure. will be the yeah, best so. feeling. Like it's your own child. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, th- you know, that's, and you know, it takes a special person to, to work in a program like this too. And so we've, we've got amazing staff who, um, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to be inspired by these, these teens and, and they are so inspiring because mm-hmm. they're, they're real, they're authentic. They don't, <laughs> they, you know, they, they call it for, they call it like it is. And, and that's, mm-hmm. and that's really fun. That's fun to be around. Yeah. Have you all ever had a situation where um, your one month program didn't work for a particular um, patient? And so you all had to extend it. Yeah, you know, so what we do is we do a minimum of 35 days and, and, you know, we, we work our tail off and, and oftentimes, um, you know, someone does need more time, you know, whether it's another week or two. And, and so I would say our, our average length of stay is, is probably closer to, you know, 47 days. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's with the goal of, again, getting somebody back, back home and, and back into like an outpatient program and, and, you know, but, but something that I think is really important for us is that we, you know, we don't just have an open door policy. Like if, if you want to come in, come in, we really, we really screen. Um, we do some prior assessments. We look at, we look at previous clinical records. We, we, we often talk to, you know, the current provider. We, we do a, a parent interview. We want to make sure that we're the right fit because, you know, we, we have a, we have a very particular program. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, everybody in the, the program is the right fit. They're going to be on board for doing the treatment. You know, it's, we're, we're, we really, our program works best when someone is internally motivated, you know, mm-hmm. I, for, for teenagers, you know, I think the the common approach is external motivators, you know, rewards, consequences. And, and that's really not our program. We're, we're really kind of designed um, to work with that person that maybe doesn't, you know, no one really wants to be in residential treatment, but it's, it's really kind of designed for that person that I don't want to do this, but I know that I need to do this. And, and that's, and that's a lot of what we see is, um, someone that's really kind of tired of feeling the way they feel. And mm-hmm. so sometimes, yeah, someone needs to stay longer, but we really, we really work hard. There's a lot of work that does that happens before, even someone comes in for treatment to make sure that we are going to be the appropriate fit. Okay. Great. Um, how do you all know, at what point do you all know that the treatment um, is working? I know some of the ways might be obvious, but is there, is there other ways that you all can tell that the treatment is working outside of the obvious? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question. You know, there's quite a few different ways. You know, we we have we have some standardized standardized assessments that we do on a weekly basis. Um, we have our psychiatrist uh, meets with all of our clients at least at least once a week. Um, 
we have we have weekly clinical meetings where we we kind of run through clients and and just you know where are they at what you know where are the goals are they close to the goals you know we're we're looking at frequency and you know things that are measurable but for, for me i think the uh, you know i'm always looking at how how is the family functioning as a whole in family therapy and and how are those how are the phone calls going how How's the communication outside of of you know these these family therapy sessions? Because I think we you know we know we're not going to we don't get you know we don't cure depression we don't cure anxiety that's that's just not unfortunately that's just not how it works. But mm-hmm. I think what we I think what we're good at is like okay how do we how do we address these symptoms? How do we help shrink this so it's more manageable? How do we how do we uh, get rid of some old coping skills that weren't working? How do we introduce some new ones? And so, I, you know, I think someone's ready to discharge when there's a little bit more control over those emotions. There's a little bit more willingness to try some new skills. Communication is improving on both sides with with parents and siblings. And I think if you, if you have those things and, you know, that, there's some hope, there's some momentum, there's a commitment to safety. Then I think it's like, okay, then, you know, more time in residential, you know, the better because you can, there's so much you can do in a day or a week in, a, in residential treatment. But if you have those things I previously mentioned, then, then home is going to be more successful. And, and there's a commitment once someone discharges to, you know, you have to keep doing the work. It doesn't just mm-hmm. stop here. So if, if there's a, level commitment to continuing to work safety's you know more there's more of a commitment communications improved then i think someone's ready to go home and and you know continue the work okay and so when they continue to work um is it do they continue to work as an outpatient with you all or do they uh continue to work like with a, a therapist or is it just something that you all uh, put together for them to continue to work on at home? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we've launched something in the last year, um, kind of in response to COVID and just so many uh, being really hard to locate psychological services. So we've we've actually been offering telecare with, with our therapists here. So they, you know, there is the option to continue doing individual and family therapy with us. But I would say, I would say most of our families work with our our director of education and transitional planning. His name is Matt Siegel. He's he's fantastic. And because we work with families from across the country, um, you know, Matt partners with the clinical team and the family, and we we identify um, services local to you know wherever the family's living to you know to get those things set up because because you, you know there really shouldn't be a gap in services. You want to you want to continue that. Um, that forward progress. And so, um, so yeah, so we don't really offer outpatient services other than the telecare that we, Mm -hmm. that we do. And I think right now we've, we've got, um, you know, like a handful of families participating in that and, and they can also do, you know, they can also do some skills training with, um, with um, Sienna Walker, who's, who's amazing, but, you know, most families go home and either reconnect with their previous therapist, which, you know, we do, or we work with a work with a consultant, um, or you know, just do our research and 
and because we've been doing this for so long, we, you know, we have a good, you know, in major cities, we have, we have some good resources that we know are, are good referrals for, for services. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, Dustin, I know you told us in the beginning about your different locations. Can you give us your, is it seven locations you all have? Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have five locations in Malibu, California, you know, just outside of Los Angeles. And then, Mm -hmm. um, and then we have two locations in San Rafael, which is up North in Marin County. And then the, the other one um, to to be opened is in Austin, Texas, you said. Oh yes. Good catch. I should definitely mention that (laughs) we we do. (laughs) We have a, I'll get in trouble. Um, We, we have a program in Austin, Texas that we're looking for that to, to be online um, in the fall, um, maybe early October. Awesome. 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 Um, you all, you all are, I appreciate you all just like I'm sure the parents do because um, just like adults, the, the children, they need what you all have to offer. And it sounds like you all are doing an awesome job at helping them. And how can um, anyone contact you all who would like to use your services or refer you to anyone? Yeah, um, that's, I appreciate you asking. You know, we, we have a, we have a great website. Um, so it's paradigmtreatment.com, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M, treatment.com. And, and our website's great. A lot of good resources, even if, Someone's not, you know, looking to maybe even come into treatment with us, but, um, and so there's some links, you know, uh, folks can send, um, just, uh, like a form to be contacted. Our, our phone numbers on our website. So folks can call that number directly. And, and what's, what's nice about our program is, you know, we're, we're still, we're still, um, you know, if, if you call, you're going to get a, a person that actually works here. You know, we have a great admissions team who, um, you know, what we, what we all keep in mind is anytime someone's reaching out to us, it's, it's because they are in crisis. And so, right. you know, not only are we, not only are we just, you know, <clears throat> trying to get some, some information to, uh, to assess, but, you know, people are calling to tell us their stories and, mm-hmm. and we take, and we take that with seriousness. And, mm-hmm. and so we, um, so it, it, probably the best thing to do is just, if someone's curious, there's no commitment. Just just give us a call, and we'll talk you through services and what we offer. And um, yeah, and and that phone number is eight five five six eight zero one eight two zero. And but again, our our website is a good resource as well. Okay, and Justin, that phone number that you just provided us, um, that phone number can be used any time of the day or night. True. That's right. Yeah, okay. that's right. And. And if and if for some reason you know because we're not we're not a call center we we have a we have a small admissions team if you know if for some reason we don't answer immediately we we will call back quickly. Okay. But yeah, day day or night you know we're and because we work with um, families across the country there's you know we don't we don't really keep office hours. Okay. Awesome. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for joining us today and um, for providing us insight as to what you all do, um, the much-needed service. Uh, I really, really enjoyed our conversation and hope to get you back on here sometime in the future. 
to share more information um, and, you know, with our audience, because this is something that's ongoing and it, it should be talked about more openly and um, it's definitely needed. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and, and talking about this subject and, and it was really nice to meet you and uh, yeah, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you as well. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.